You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Yeah, stay standing a minute. Stay standing just a second here. I don't think we're done with that. You guys, I don't know. I think we need to own something. I'm going to do a little corrective positioning for us in a minute. Whenever we have testimonies like that going out, we need you standing up. We need you holding. We need you in, an a, in a posture of saying, I want that, I want that, I want that. It's the hungry that receive. End of story. It's the hungry that receive. I feel like there's things that are happening this morning, just as Danielle was sharing that. First of all, let me ask this. Anybody in here know somebody or have epilepsy? Back there, one, two, three, four, five. There's five. Hold your hands up high. This is how we're doing it. If you see a hand up, put your hand on the person next to them. Right now, we're just going to declare, because God is obviously doing something in that arena, we're just going to declare right now that epileptic seizures stop in the name of Jesus. No more of that business. That is illegal, it's trespassing, and it does not belong in the kingdom. Jesus absolutely bought and purchased freedom from sickness for our bodies, so we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Good. All right. I just wanted to capitalize on that. All right. You can be seated. Come on. Jesus, you're so good. My Bible was upside down. I can't read upside down. Upside down. That was the name of the conference. That's right. Whoa. The kids' conference was upside down. Oh, Jesus, you're so good. All right, this morning, I believe God is going to radically alleve, relieve, heal, what do you, whatever you want to call it, people from anxiety. Yep. Good. Right there, Randy. That's what I'm talking about, guys. Just as a little point of teaching. When somebody says something and somebody says, I'll take it. Right there. That's what I'm talking about right there. That's that kind of receiving where it's like, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. Anybody else in here want to be brave enough to say, I'll take it? Yeah. Anxiety is not your friend. We know that. Okay. And I, I just, I felt like when I was working through this this morning that it's in the delivery, not because of who I am, but it's in the delivery of the word that people are going to discover that anxiety is going to fall off of them. No more of the anxiety. I don't even know why. This isn't even a message about anxiety. I just, I felt that in the spirit, that anxiety and depression, there was a little bit of a depression trying to creep in there too. And I'm like, nope, that gets to go too. No more of that stuff. Anybody want to say yes to that one? I do. I do. Yeah. So we'll start with that, Jesus. We'll say yes to all that you want to do. Your promises are yes and amen. And we get to join in with you and agree with you in it. These kinds of things, these kinds of attacks are not appropriate. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I want to talk this morning um, and I feel like I could probably do a couple of parts on this, so forgive me if it feels like I'm trying to give you a drink with a fire hose, okay? <laughs> but there's a lot in this. I want to talk this morning about how God thinks. How God thinks. Now, I'm not saying that from a position of, I know exactly how God thinks. That would be absolutely ridiculous. But there are things that are revealed to us that he has spoken that are there not for us just to regurgitate. When God speaks, he's exposing himself. Right? When he speaks, he creates. In Psalm 103, great passage of scripture, long, great passage of scripture. There's a verse in there that seems out of context with the rest of what's going on there. It just simply says this, that the people of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew his ways. Wow. It's time for us to move away from just visually seeing and understanding the acts of God and into what his ways are. Because the people saw the acts. They saw the water parted. They saw the, uh, what happened to the Egyptians, they saw the plagues, they saw the provision, the manna, the quail, 
the water out of the rock. They saw that, but in seeing all of that, all they knew was these were acts of God. People of Israel knew his acts. Moses knew his ways. I want to know his ways. The reason why is because when I know his ways, then I know how he thinks. If I know what is the root behind why he's doing what he's doing, now I know why he's doing these things. And I have the ability then to be able to enter in with him and make declarations, not just based on acts, but because I know the way he thinks. Is this making sense? James 1. You guys like the book of James? Did you know the book of James almost didn't make it into the canon of scripture? It was like, it was on the edge for the longest period of time because it seemed contrary to what Paul was saying. Especially when it comes to faith. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, he gives us this profound message that we have to see through the lens of grace. We have to read it through the lens of Jesus and the grace of God. Otherwise, we can interpret it really wrong. But he says this really profound statement in James 1.21. He says, Receive with meekness the implanted word. Now, we all know the word of God is powerful, right? We all know the word is sharper than two-edged sword. We know all that kind of stuff. But James is telling us, in order to stay away from the things that we don't want to be doing, he says, Receive the implanted word. Do you remember when Jesus was telling the parable of the seed and the sower. You guys remember that parable, right? Some fell on hard ground, some fell on good ground. And at one point he says that the heart, one person, the seed being sown is how it's sown into our lives, right? That's the parable. That sometimes the seed can't be received because there is no root within ourselves. I believe that the root within ourselves happens when we take the word of God and we let it germinate. We meditate on it. Has anybody ever received a word or read out of the word something that you know moved you, but you can't figure out really what it means? That's the implanted word. That's the word when it comes and you read it and it moves you. You don't know why, but something's happening on the inside. That is when you take the word and you begin to meditate. You just let it sit. You let it germinate. You look for different ways where you're going to see different angles of that word coming into your life. When James says that, receive the implanted word. It's the word digested, meditated on. Is this making sense this morning? Because when we do that, we begin to understand not only more about what he's trying to communicate to us, but we understand his heart behind why he's communicating that. So I want to talk this morning out of two passages of Scripture, Isaiah 55 and Matthew 16. So if you have your Bibles there, you can open them up to that. Just put your finger in that. Those are going to be our two go-to verses. <coughs> Concerning this anxiety thing, Isaiah 53 says that he took chastisement so that peace would be on us. You guys familiar with Isaiah 53? It's one of those passages revealing Jesus. It says that he took chastisement so that peace would be on us. Now, this is important that we understand this because peace is not the absence of conflict. Hello? I just need a little peace here. Peace and quiet. Well, you might not know what peace is because you can find peace in the absolute middle of chaos. And he took the chastisement for all of us so that we could have the peace. It's not the absence of conflict. It's the presence of the Prince of Peace. It's an awareness more of who he is rather than what's going on around you. Now, Guys, I'm still learning this. I don't get this. I'm, I, don't, I don't have this down, but to shift in a moment when you feel anxiety, when you feel stress, when you feel worry, when you feel, that, when you feel all that stuff coming on, we have a choice to make. Not that we have to go out, strive, and try to get something. We have a choice to make where we still the soul, the striving of the internal man, we stop it for a moment, and we say, wait, there's something better here. He took chastisement so that I could have peace. Wow. And he didn't leave it partially done. He did it. 
So if I'm not accessing peace, then it's not because he didn't finish it. It's because somewhere I'm still operating out of self-life. It's not even, peace is not even um, pain management. It's not control management. It's not even the ability to cope with circumstances. That's an earthly thing. If I could just cope, if I, I'll, I can cope with it. I'll make it through that. That's not it at all. That's, that's trying to access something heavenly and blend it with something earthly, and it doesn't work that way. That's how we end up with coping. I'll just make it through. I can duke it out. I can do this. That's not peace at all. What I'm really talking about are negative thoughts that come in. I know nobody has those, right? Negative thoughts. The advent of Jesus into the earth was a herald for a completely new way of living. When Jesus entered, oh wow. When Jesus entered the planet, what did the angelic realm proclaim? Peace on earth, goodwill to all men. Jesus, before he left, says, my peace I leave with you. Paul talks about declaring the gospel of peace. In other words, he did away with the negative influence that demanded we live a certain way. And he said, Paul said, behold, all things are new. So I have the ability to think negative. I have the ability to live in negativity, but I'm not required to live there. The old man before Jesus was required to live there because we were under a different covenant. Are you with me this morning? We were under a performance covenant where man had to perform in order to get something from God. In a new covenant, it was Jesus who did all the work, brought us into him, and now it's just a matter of shifting and stopping. What am I going to choose to think about? I'm, I'm, I'm saying all this because I want to connect it to how does God think? If we, if we meditate appropriately and properly, we can understand more than just memorizing some kind of scripture where I have it in my head. You've heard me say this before. I, I, I grew up in a church in a Christian school where I memorized scripture like crazy. Almost the entire book of Romans, almost the entire book of Ephesians I had memorized. But was filled, filled with shame and guilt and fear all of my life. Till finally I met the one who wrote it. I knew more. How do I connect this? I'm a music guy. I love music. I love Gordon Sumner. You know who he is? You probably know him as Sting. Thank you. It's one of my favorites. One of the most brilliant writers, musicians. At creativity that is just off, it's off in another realm kind of creativity. Yeah, yeah. I love that about him. And I know a lot about him. I know what he believes. I know how old he is. But I don't know him. I've read about him, but I don't know him. It was the same thing with me growing up. I read about him and I knew him in my head, but I didn't know him. Psalms says, Psalm 119 says, Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I had buttloads of it hidden in my head, not in my heart. It's in my head, but it doesn't do me any good when it's in my head, because why? God doesn't speak to us primarily through our intellect. He speaks to our heart. It's how he talks. He doesn't talk in necessarily a cognitive, rational, logical, linear fashion. He talks in such a way that our heart begins to come alive, and we say things like, I don't know what's going on here, but something really good's happening. Did you feel it even in worship? You can't explain it, but something's... Listen, when you get to that point in life, can I give you a little help? Go for it. Go for it. But it doesn't make any sense. Exactly. That is the heart of the gospel itself. It makes zero sense. You try to approach it through logic. The only, a prob the only problem with learning this thing and trying to make a case for Christianity in a logical form is sometime... At some point, somebody's going to come on and see you, come to you, and they're going to come with a better form of logic. 
So if logic can hold you into this thing, another form of logic can bring you right out of it. But when it speaks inside your heart, do you remember the blind man, John 9? Jesus heals him. And all the Pharisees and the religious people want to go, how did he do that? Who did it? Where did he do it? When did he do it? How could this happen? You were born in sin because whenever blind people are born, or people are born, born blind, I can't say that very well. When people are born blind, it's because they were, there was sin in their life. Pfft. Can we laugh at that? <laughs> that deserves a little bit more than a laugh. I'm kind of like, Pfft. Yeah, right? You hear that demonic attack lie coming at you, just put the hand up, talk to the hand. All this stuff starts coming at him, and he's just like, dude, I don't know. It was Jesus. Dude healed me. Well, isn't there something wrong with your parents, too? Or let's go talk to your parents. And the parents are freaked out because of the religious leaders. And they say, he's of age. Go ask him. (laughs) They're bowing to human logic. They keep coming back to him. Who healed you? And he finally says, look, all I know is I was blind, and now I can see. Do you want to be one of his disciples, too? What if our Christianity took that approach? Because I really do believe the older I get and the more I move into this thing with the Lord and mature in him, I start to discover that the things that I think I know are actually the things that are keeping me from experiencing him. Because he talks in such a way that I can't always explain it. And I need to be okay with that. I'm convinced. We had somebody at the wonderful, what's her name? Albert's wife? Emily Emily gave this great message on evangelism. I thought it was so powerful. I I am convinced that we would be a stronger evangelical, if I can use that word as far as pushing evangelism, spreading the good news. We would be stronger as the body of Christ if we would stop trying to convince people to believe something. If we stopped with the attitude that says, I need to close the deal and get you to pray a prayer. I don't need to defend the gospel. I need to release it. I don't need to make sure somebody carries a specific theology because the reality is my theology is messed up. Did I just scare you there? Oh, God, I'm in a church where their theology is messed up. Well, of course it is. I know one thing. I know Jesus is awesome. I know he's amazing. I know he's the savior of my soul. I know that it all comes down to him. It all lands on him. The only reason why I'm breathing is because of him. The only reason why I can stand up is because of him. All things held together by him, for him, through him, and in him they exist, right? It's it's this kind of stuff right here that I'm talking about. It's coming back to that and saying, I want to hear and I want to know how God thinks. But I know that it primarily is not going to come through my own logic. Isn't that kind of arrogant? That I, in my logic, can understand how God thinks? Sounds a lot like I'm conforming him to my image instead of me being conformed into his. God, you look like this and you think like this. Yeah, just like me. But how can you know God's thoughts? How can you know how he thinks? I mean, that's a valid question, isn't it? I do believe, though, if we know how he thinks, at least at some part we'll know his ways. We'll understand him. Ephesians 1.4 says this. You, ready? you guys ready for some encouragement? Ephesians 1.4 says this. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now think about this. From a linear standpoint, he chose us in him before the creation of the world. The whole planet was created for you. The heavens belong to God, but the earth he's given to men. Psalm says he's given to man. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. In other words, before he said, let there be light, he said, let there be you. What? (laughs) What are you, what are you? (laughs) He chose you in him before the creation of the world. Now, I like that. That really helps me. That helps me because then I know that I'm one of the primary recipients of his design and his ways on this planet. 
when we make those declarations like we did, favor, blessings on us, is that a prosperity gospel? Well, you call it what you want. All I know is this is the design of God. And of course, it's not for selfish gain. I don't need to go down there. I'm talking about when people of God are blessed, the world sees it and goes, ah, I want in on that. It's what we're designed for. Now, I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that because he says before the creation of the world, he found us in him, chose us in him before the creation of the world. In other words, all of this stuff was created for us specifically. Romans 8 talks about it. You hear me talk about that all the time. I'm still trying to discover and understand what it means that the sons of God being revealed in the earth and all of creation is groaning in anticipation of it. It's like the plants outside right now are going, when are they going to finally understand who they are? Remember Jesus walking on the water? Now, I don't know this to be true, but this is how my mind works. I really think in that moment when Jesus stood out and started walking on the water, the water finally started speaking and going, we get to hold up the Savior today. And to them, to the water, it's perfectly normal. Because the whole earth is groaning in anticipation for the revelation of the sons of man. The whole, all of creation. You are chosen before creation for all of this stuff. Does this make sense? Why am I saying this? I want to help us understand that we're not some little cog in this phenomenal cosmic thing here. We are the expression of him in the earth. The reality is he chose not to reveal himself to the world and to mankind without you and I. He set it up that way. Are you kidding me? But I'm so messed up. I know. Me too. But still he chooses to reveal himself through it. This is why we need each other, guys. I feel a bunny path coming on. I'm not going to go down that right now. I just said that. I'm not going to go down that bunny path right now. This is why we need each other. Can I just leave that alone? <laughs> I just think if we understand how much he thinks of us, it would, make us, it would make it harder for us to have a bad day. If I really understand how much and what he thinks about me, it would make it really hard for me to have a bad day. Isaiah 55, I said turn there, right? Isaiah 55, we're going to begin in verse 6. I want to read this to you. How am I doing on time? Excellent, Andrew. I got, what, 30 minutes, 20 minutes? I've got 20, you give me 20, that makes 40, so okay. (laughs) Verse 6, okay, now first of all, I got to preface this. We're reading Old Covenant, and there's still a lot of New Covenant stuff, or Old Covenant stuff we drag into New Covenant. You have to read it through the lens of Jesus. You have to. Otherwise, we go back to performance mentality. Seek the Lord while he may be found. (laughs) Call upon him while he's near. Guess what? He's near. He's near. This is Isaiah speaking to a group of people at a moment in time where he's saying, now is the moment, guys. You've got to grab him. He's close. But that's different than where we are right now. Jesus says, I am, he says in John 14, of the Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, right? He says, he has been with you, but he will be in you. So when you call on the name of Jesus because he's near, you can look right here and go, Jesus. Not i got to go find you. Where are you? If I pray hard enough, worship hard enough, do enough Hail Marys, do enough whatever it is, I, I, I will find him. Now he's there. It doesn't work like that. He's near. Isn't that good news? Verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Now listen to this. Let the wicked forsake his what? Way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Way thoughts. Way thoughts. Look at verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Ways, thoughts. Ways, thoughts. Say ways. Ways. Say thoughts. Thoughts. Something's happening here with this. 
I think this is an invitation in the Old Covenant that is still valid for us because Paul writes and he says, the things that were written before were written for our admonition so that we might find hope. So it still has validity in our lives. We just have to approach it through the lens of Jesus and a new covenant reality. Old Covenant says you have to chase God to find him and change your ways. New Covenant says God is found in you, so change your thinking. Okay, I am taking this one. Old Covenant says you have to chase God to find him. New Covenant says he's found inside of you. Now you just need to change your thinking. The word repent, I'm taking this bunny path. You've been here long enough, you guys. What is the word repent in Greek? Change your mind. Metanoia, change the way you think. This is the gospel message. It gets preached. Jesus has done. Now change the way you think. We've made repentance changing our ways. But the reality is you can't change your ways until you change the way you think. You can slowly perform and change your ways, but you can't sustain it until you change the way you think. Okay, here's one we need to get. The core that we need to get in the church and the way we change that our thinking is this. God is good. There is no ifs. He's not good if. He's good. And all he does is good. This is huge. If we could get this one right here, it would radically transform the church. God is good. God does not give sickness. He does not give disease. He does not punish. The word punishment comes from the root word punitive. That word means to pay for. If I have to pay for something, then the work of Christ was insufficient. I have to pay for my sins. Well, you, there are consequences to your sins, but you don't have to pay for them. Sin carries its own consequence. In other words, Jesus is not saying, for every time you sin, now I'm going to impart death, destruction, pain, to you because of what you've done. That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, right. To think that God is not good is to think inconsistent with the gospel itself. Yeah. To think that God still is judging nations and people. When I grew up, I used to hear it all the time, God's going to judge California and they're going to fall into the ocean. <laughs> I used to hear that for real. That whole San Andreas fault was a God design. It's going to, earthquake's going to happen. They're going to fall into the ocean because evil San Francisco and evil California and all that kind of, if God is punishing San Francisco, then he needs to look at Jesus and say, I'm sorry. Because he took all of the sin of the world, correct? The message is not repent, meaning change your ways. The message now is repent, change the way you think. And when you change the way you think, your ways will change. Repent, English word, repent. Re, meaning what? Again, pent. High place, place. where we get the word penthouse. Re, again, high place. Again, high place. Go again, go back to the high place. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Are you with me? Repenting and thinking like God thinks means we have to not only get his word, but there's a meditation that happens to where you own it. Where it becomes so much part of you that you begin to know the word, even be able to recite it, but it means something to you that you can't even explain. Now we know what God thinks. We are not unrighteous people who need a savior. We are sons that need a father. Huge shift. Huge shift. We are not unrighteous people who need a savior. We are sons that need a father. That's why Jesus told us to pray. Our father. He didn't want to start with an entity. He wanted to start with a family. Our father. As much as anything else, I believe the reason why Jesus gave us that to pray is because there would be a repositioning from the minute we started to open our mouth. Our father. Wait, I'm a child. I'm a son. I belong in a family. Come on, is this helping this morning? If that can't be established, then everything else in the Lord's Prayer becomes a transaction. 
Give us this day our daily bread. Let your kingdom come. We're trying to work out a thing, a transaction. Look at verse 9 again. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Thoughts precede ways and ways follow thoughts. Does that make sense? Thoughts precede ways, ways follow thoughts. Now look over at Matthew 16. Are you still in the room with me? This is good, Andrew. You're rocking it. (laughs) Matthew 16. Beginning in verse 13. Familiar passage here. I'm going to read through part of it. And then we're going to talk about it. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I love the question here because he gives the answer in the question. Who do men say that I, it's like me saying, all right, you guys, who do people say that I, Andrew, am? (laughs) But I want us to pay attention to it because he's trying to get at a way of thinking here, okay? Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I like that he doesn't even answer that question or answer their statement. Isn't that great? didn't even answer it. It's like, this is so ridiculous, I'm not going to even give it attention. (laughs) But he wasn't trying to get an answer, he was trying to get him to think. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I wish I could have been there in that moment when that happened, right there. We have to understand, as this is being unfolding, we, they didn't have the benefit that we have. They didn't know about the crucifixion. They didn't know about the resurrection, the ascension, the coming of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know about any of that stuff. I mean, they might have had an inkling of it if they gleaned anything from the old covenant prophets. They may have had something, but they really didn't know what was going on. Here's Peter. He says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. What? Drop the mic. The original drop the mic moment. Nothing better than that. Nothing ever has come close to that moment right there. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yeah. <laughs> now, again, I wish I could just see this thing because I, I wonder what was going through Peter at that point because I can totally identify with that cat. That guy was full on <laughs> into it with Jesus, right? He was the one that was saying, you know, doesn't matter. They try to kill you. I'm there. Nobody's going to kill you. Woohoo! I'm there. Well, you know, I got your back. He was the one that says, even though everybody else forsakes you, not me. Remember what I said? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I don't know if that happened or not. I just can identify with him because of his passion. He had this incredible amount of passion and zeal for God. But in that passion, oftentimes did some really stupid things. Just so you know, guys, my makeup is exactly like that. I get passionate about something and I go to run out the door, I'll miss the door and hit the wall. (laughs) But there'll be a beautiful shaped Andrew-shaped hole right there. Yeah, Andrew just went through that wall, didn't he? I have that kind of zeal and passion in me. I know I can get things wrong, but I love that about Peter. I can totally connect with it. So here he is saying this, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a good passage of scripture right there. That'll preach all day long and twice on Sunday. So here he is. Who do you say that I am? They give answers. People say, which doesn't make any sense. John the Baptist was his cousin. He was only six months older than Jesus. Everybody saw him running around. They knew who he was. They knew what happened to him. They knew he got thrown in prison and finally beheaded. And they're like saying, now you're John the Baptist. I think it is just that they can't figure it out because they're trying to understand Jesus through human logic. So they have to attach it to something they're familiar with. Peter gets it. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. But Jesus says, I love this. That didn't come from flesh and blood, Peter. In other words, your own human intellect couldn't even begin to comprehend what that really means. 
It was my Father in heaven that revealed this to you. The whole event that happens here, this whole unfolding of asking the question, renaming Peter, telling him that he's given him the keys. The purpose of this event was not to get answers, but to show them there's another way of thinking that comes from God. His whole purpose in starting this dialogue was to reveal to them there is a whole nether way of thinking that comes from God. He could have said, guys, there's a whole nother way, way of thinking that comes from God. But they wouldn't have connected it, they wouldn't have gotten it unless he had led them through that. Does that make sense? Where it actually came through a human where somebody was declaring exactly what God thinks. You're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. He goes on to say this about Peter. Peter, you're a rock. I'm gonna call you Peter, not Simon. I'm going to call you Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Now, Peter means rock, right? So he says, on this rock, I will call you rock, and on this rock, I will build my church. But oftentimes, we see in the church that we think the church is built off of Peter, and it's not. There are two different words there. They both mean rock, but they're different kinds of rock. He says, off of this Petros, I will build my church off this Petra. Two different Greek words there. Petro means tiny little stone. Petro means foundation rock. He's not saying off of Peter I'm building my church. He goes, Peter, off of the revelation that you can hear and talk like God, that's what I'm building the church on. You can think like God thinks, and when you think like God thinks, you can build the church off of that revelation right there. He goes on to tell Peter, I'm going to give you keys. I'll give you keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Now, I don't like that language there. You probably have heard this before. It's really bad language. The language should say, whatever you bind on earth will have already been bound. And whatever you loose will have already been loosed. In other words, when you take the keys, which is the revelation of God that will build the church, and you begin to speak like that, you begin to realize that the things that you want to unlock are already unlocked. The things you need to bind are already bound. Come on, this flies in the face of our charismatic movement. I'm going to bind up in the seventh heaven the third whatever devil of the wada 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 wada. I saw this demon, it was over the city and it was green and it looked like it had this and this and this and, it was, and it's like, you know, you can talk about your principalities all you want, but Colossians tells me that Jesus is the head of all principalities and I know him. I know him. He's better than that dude. Whatever you're seeing, does this make sense? And when we wake up to this thing of what God is thinking, we start to realize I don't need to go bind that thing because he's already bound it. So I begin to speak from a perspective that says, no, sir. No, there's nothing here. Remember when Jesus said the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me? That's a weird thing to say, isn't it? He has nothing in me. The ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Well, when you think like God thinks, it starts to make a little more sense. He can't grab anything. He can't touch me. He has nothing in, there is nothing in me for him to be able to get a grasp on. Reach in, around, on, through, all you want, but there is nothing in there for you to get a handle on. That's why he said that just before he died, and he also said, you don't take my life, I give it. Why? Because he had no handles. There was nothing for Satan to grab a hold of him to be able to pull him down. What if we started thinking like that? I'm in him, he's in me, ruler of this world. He has nothing in me. Oh, he's got nothing in me. The only power, ooh, the only power, wow, it feels good. The only power he has is what I give him. To the degree that I believe him and agree with him, I give him that power. I give him handles. Yeah. The story goes on where Jesus starts to say, I got to go to the cross. Jesus steps up because he's, or Peter steps up because he says, you know, I'm the dude, I got this. He goes, dude, no way, no way. You're not going to the cross. It ain't going to happen. Remember Jesus' reply? He looks at him and he goes, get behind me, Satan. Now, I love that. He didn't say get behind me, Peter. He said get behind me, Satan. You know why I think that's important? Because even when we say things that are wrong, Jesus knows the origin of it and he doesn't blame us for it. Oh, 
Because Jesus said, I'm on this earth and I only do what the Father says. And he says, I, he has nothing in me. He can't even be influenced by him. And so he knows very definitively when the Father speaks, when he talks, I know exactly what that is. And when anything else talks, I know exactly what that is too. Wouldn't it be good to know that? Wouldn't it be good to know that when we walk around with that kind of mindset where we think like he thinks it would be real easy to be able to go, yeah, that's, that's garbage. Yeah, that's Satan right there. I want to know what Jesus said. Oh, that's what Jesus is saying right there. Yeah, we'll stay in that one for a minute. Wouldn't it be great? I think it's possible. Because I don't think he sets us up for failure. He sets us up for success. He's already brought us into success, actually. We walk out of it, if you can look at it like that. Jesus is saying to Peter, even while he's rebuking Satan, he's saying, Peter, look, you've got to get past the God of this world. You've got to get past of what others are saying. You've got to get past what they think and the way they think that I'm John the Baptist, that I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. You know me for who I am. God has revealed that to you. Don't fall back into listening to another voice. <laughs> and I love this, this story right here. Peter says who Jesus was, and Jesus responds by telling Peter who he really was. What would happen if we thought so much like God that when we talked like he talked, he would come right back to us and say who we really are? You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Peter, you're rock. When we think like him and we talk like him, all of a sudden our identity gets spoken to us and deposited into us. When we worship... We haven't even gotten to the, close to the edge of what demonstrative worship looks like. We haven't even touched it yet. Culture has told us it's standing behind a chair or in front of a chair or something like that. And you're, that's what culture tells us what worship is. I'm talking about the kind of worship and praise where it becomes so demonstrative and declarative that it comes out of our mouth that when we are doing that and we're saying, all hail King Jesus... All hail King Jesus, because that's what's going on in heaven, that we start saying that, not just his words, because that's exactly how God thinks, that as we're doing that, he's turning right around and saying, yeah, you are my chosen one, you're my child. You're my son, you're my daughter. Do you know how valuable you are? You see that? I, I see that in this passage of scripture. When you say what God says, he tells you who you are. So it takes worship and praise and declaration to a whole new level. It's not just about making myself feel better. I opened up a gateway for him to speak and put it right back into me. I don't know about you, but I need that. I found myself over the last couple of weeks walking around the house, and I don't know why, listening, not listening, singing old hymns. I don't listen to old hymns. But I really think it was Holy Spirit just sparking something that had been deposited in me a long time ago were some of those we don't talk like that anymore some of the words from those old hymns we don't talk like that anymore but some of the strongest theology is found in some of those hymns and I found myself walking around singing it and going why am I singing that I didn't hear that and I heard Holy Spirit singing to me because your soul is beginning to connect with something that when you say the truth of who I am it does something inside of you it's me speaking back into you Now, I'm not saying make a principle out of that and start singing old hymns. I think it's good just to start with what you know God has spoken to you that's truth about how you know how he talks. Begin to meditate, digest, declare. Start living from that perspective. Start speaking from that perspective. If I just know this is the ways of God this much, then I can start doing this. And what I want to do is build a history where the more that I do this, the more that I'm able to distinguish the thoughts of this world, and the thoughts of God. I want to know how God thinks. I think God's inviting us into a whole new way of thinking. This is my wheelhouse. I, th I think about this a lot. Romans 12, 1 and 2, it's my wheelhouse. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It has to do with the way we think. But I'm discovering something else about this. I think that God's really inviting us into this, that it's more about just taking the word of God that we have memorized, that we know, that it moves beyond just the simple de declaration, that we take it, we meditate on it long enough to where God opens up something, reveals us something new about that, 
And then we start speaking from that place. Because now I've just caught a little bit of how God thinks. And when I'm doing that, he's starting to speak back to me. I am tired. (laughs) I don't know why I just said that. How do you do that? Go back to the beginning. I'm going to wrap up with this. Original plan was that God created heaven and earth and that man was on earth but could access God in heaven freely. There was no separation. We need to think like this. Heaven is not somewhere you go when you die. But let's just say for a moment it is. Okay? Let's just go with the argument that heaven is somewhere you go when you die. How many people in here are dead? Every one of you. Romans 6 tells me that you died with him. Oh, so heaven's accessible right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. But hell's accessible right now, too. And what I think will determine where I'm going to live. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. Don't take this down some weird road. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about believing the truth, holding on to that. You guys like C.S. Lewis? The guy blows my mind. Concerning this kind of stuff right here, I was reading him a while back, and he said this statement, and I highlighted it, and I'm like, this still baking my noodle. (laughs) He makes a statement. He says, the doors of hell are locked from the inside. In other words, it's not somewhere where God sends people. It's where people choose to live, and they can get out if they want. That's the gospel. God doesn't send people to hell. People choose it. Jocelyn made a statement the other day. I'm going to maybe rephrase this a little bit. We were talking about it in there. That it's victory in seed form. I said that right, right? I started thinking about that and going, everything we get is seed. The word tells us that. Isaiah says that. He gives seed to the sower. It's not just about your money. Every... Victory in seed form. But really, the challenges we have in life, they come in seed form too, I think. Because you can't control what happens to you, but you certainly can't control what you do with it. And if I take a seed, and I tuck it away, and I water it, and think about it, give it something, it's going to grow. Hebrews talks about the reign of God coming. Hebrews 6 talks about the reign of God and it pours all over the heart and whatever is in there grows. If it's corn and carrots, that grows. If it's thorns and thistles, that grows. In other words, what I'm stewarding in my heart, what I'm thinking about, if it's not what God thinks about, even in the presence of God and in the glory of God, things can grow that don't necessarily need to be growing. Are you with me? And I gotta be careful because I don't want certain things to grow in my life. I want to take victory in seed form and steward that. I want to take anxiety, depression, fear, and not steward that. Yeah, Jesus, help us. Death in the garden was a disconnect from heaven. Death in the new covenant through Jesus was a reconnection with heaven. Ephesians tells us we're seated with him in heavenly places. When I forget where I am, I forget who I am. Heaven and earth, one. When I forget where I am, I forget who I am. Because the language of heaven is completely different. The way God talks in heaven is completely different than the way we talk here on earth. And when I forget where I am, I forget who I am. Everybody stand up here. Yeah, all right. Prophecy. Groups are going to be over here. If you just need ministry over here, prayer for anything, it's going to be over here to my left, your right. We want to make room for that. But I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll let you release you to go with whatever you want there. I, do you feel this morning, though? I don't know about you. I feel it. I feel it in the back of my head. I don't know why. I feel this thing in the back of my head. It's kind of like God's just grabbing me and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever do that with your kid or something like that? You just put your hand on the back of their neck and hold them like, you are awesome. <laughs> Yeah.
Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Thank you. I want that. I want that feeling. I want to think like he thinks so I hear him talking and tell me who I am. Jesus. Come on. Yeah, it's just a realignment. It's not a striving. It's just a realignment. I think Danielle and the team set us up so well this morning when we were talking about this. She was talking about this. It all hail King Jesus. Just, just something about this of just aligning with heaven and beginning to declare what he says. Starting with that, even if you don't know his ways, you start with what he said until he reveals his ways to you and you hold on to that and you start declaring that. It's just a realignment and it's simple. Yes, Jesus. Yeah. So I'm going to pray right now that over every heart, even on podcast, I think people are getting this. And that there's transformation coming through an encounter with Jesus that reveals his ways so that declaration, speech, thoughts would begin to line up with how God thinks and now keys start getting released. There's keys starting to get released. Yes, Jesus. Lord, I know we want it. I, I know it. I can feel it. We all want it. We're desperate for it, Lord. I pray that you deposit into each one of us the way you do so well, the way you speak so differently. To deposit it into each one of us so that we begin to dream different. We begin to daydream different. We begin to think before we speak because we want to know what you're thinking before we let anything out of our mouth. Yes, Jesus. Yep, I feel healing coming on. There's soul healing coming on through this. It's just a shifting in the way you think. You start shifting it and your soul gets healed. So I'm going to declare it and believe it over. Anybody want part of that? I do. I'm going to speak it to myself. Soul healing inside. Believing that all things have become new. The old is gone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, bless you guys. You can be dismissed. If you want prophetic words, this is your group right here. Any kind of ministry you want, any prayer for anything else, go ahead and join them over here. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.